<laughs> so this is a podcast for students of journalism at Falmouth University. This is Kevin Bishop and I'm speaking from Shepherd's Bush in London. And with me today are two BBC staff cameramen. And what we're going to talk about is some of the things that you need to think about when starting out in the world of filming. Um, so I'll start by getting uh, my two colleagues here to introduce themselves. Hi, uh, my name's Nick Woolley. Um, I've been a cameraman editor for the BBC for about 30 years now, um, starting in the regions in Leeds um, and then doing quite a lot of stuff overseas. Um, never actually been posted abroad, but now I'm based in London. I do a fair bit of stuff in the UK and a fair bit of stuff um, abroad, shooting, editing, doing all the radio stuff and feeding, FTP, that sort of thing. And my name's John Boone and similar to Nick, I've been in the Beeb for about 27 years, started in Scotland and then moved abroad, I've done half a dozen bureaus around the world and now a lot more UK stuff but still travelling abroad. Uh, whenever and same thing shooting and editing radio the whole the whole lot let's, let's go back to the beginning to start off with how did you two get involved in the in the world of camera work what, what was your first steps in that world uh, for me I it's just something I always wanted to do um, when I was very young I saw a cameraman filming something when I was doing a just going around with my dad in the street and then I said that's what I want to do when I grow up and um, I was just in the right place at the right time I was at school I saw an advert in the paper for a job I applied for it, I did my A-levels, and then I got a letter back saying, come for an interview, and that was that. So I didn't do any uh, university, any college um, at all. Having said that, in those days, and this is back in 1987, in those days the BBC had its own training centre and trained us in pretty much everything right from scratch, and that included film and one- and two-inch VT, all the stuff that you just don't hear about anymore. Um, and then through that, it's just sort of growth in jobs and just gaining the experience of doing different things and just gently progressing from one job to the next and adopting new disciplines as they come along and new technology. And uh, 30 years has sort of kind of gone in a flash, really. Still learning, though. Um, and strangely, I wanted to be a sound recordist. Uh, and I, uh, after I left school, I was going around recording bands around Edinburgh and doing live sound mixing. And uh, I went to college to start doing that. And then a friend of mine asked if I could um, help with some camera work on something he did. I fell in love with that. So I moved across to doing camera work and editing. And then I joined the BBC in Scotland, um, a bit like Nick actually, started on two-inch machines, but telecine, all those things from the distant past and um, finally started shooting for the Network Bureau in Scotland and um, and then just moved abroad from there. What uh, what do you think makes a good camera person? Oh gosh, there's a question. Um, a lot, uh, lots of things. Um, you know, one of the things that I was very keen to do when I started, I, you know, I sort of thought I can do this and, you know, I want to do it so much I will be able to do it. Um, and the thing is that when I went to the training centre, they trained us in a fairly rigid kind of way. For example, they said that there are only three or four different types of shots that you can use as a big close-up, a medium close-up, a wide shot or a long shot, and that's it. Um, never should the tripod be taken off the camera. You let the subject move in the frame. Very rarely would you move with the subject, all that sort of thing. There were a lot of rules that were sort of instilled in us from the word go, and therefore virtually no flexibility to be creative um, 
as time moves on and you find yourself often just on your own or with a reporter on a on a job, you realise that actually the you know that there are um, rules that can be broken. Dare say, dare I say, you know, and it's it's a it's a tricky one. But you know, for example, crossing the line, you're not supposed to ever 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 do that. But there are ways you can do that. Um, it can it shouldn't work, but it does occasionally in the right way. So the thing is that there are rules that are taught at you from early age, certainly for me, which you have to learn to adapt and, and, and bend. And the best advice somebody ever gave me is that if it looks or sounds right, then it probably is. You mentioned, that, just to interrupt though, you mentioned those rules and we teach those rules, obviously, at, at, at Falmouth University. Do you think it's still important to know those rules before you can break them? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you, you can't break the rules unless you, know what, unless you know how to obey them first. You need a good solid grounding in the basics and I think it's very important not to run before you can walk with all of that um, you know if you if you never learn the rules about static shots and for example if you take a pan from left to right actually what that gives you in theory is three different shots a steady shot at the start a moving shot left to right and then another steady shot at the end if you don't know all of that and you just <clears throat> hose part the camera around then you, you actually you won't get anywhere so yeah of course you need to you need to know what the rules are and then adapt them and you know, essentially develop your own, your own style, uh, I think, uh, which then also comes on to, you know, the view to editing it yourself as well. If you can shoot something and have a sort of forethought as to how you're going to stitch it together if you are the one doing the editing, then, of course, you can, you can push the envelope a little bit more <clears throat> to develop the, the entire look of, the, of whatever you're shooting. I think that's true. And you... Um... Certainly when both Nick and I started, uh, we had separate cameramen and editors, but I quite quickly then went on to shoot and edit my own stuff and you learn very quickly what works and what doesn't work. Because when you're sitting in the edit suite with your own material and you go, oh, well, that's a bit rubbish, but you've only yourself to blame and you don't do it the next time. But kind of slightly going back to what makes a good cameraman, I think you, there's many, many things. There's ability to work under pressure, there's the ability to keep all your kit together, but I think the first thing is you've got to have an eye, and that's not something that can be taught. Um, and you can immediately see when somebody brings in a set of rushes, whether they frame correctly and um, what it is that they're trying to do with the camera. It doesn't necessarily matter at that point whether they've got the color balance right, all the buttons are pressed correctly in the camera. You can teach that, but what you can't teach is the eye. Expand on what you mean by the eye. What's the ability to innately compose a shot that that conveys what it is that you are trying to say in your story, and the ability to make a series of shots work together. It's a it's a kind of nebulous concept, and this is why it's very it's very hard to teach that. It's all about framing. It's about where the person sits in the frame, what you do with that frame. What about sound? It's about the most important thing, I reckon. And overlooked as well. Yeah. Um, we used to have sound men, and that was great. Uh, we don't have that anymore, that luxury anymore. Um, uh, if you can't hear what the person's saying, there's no point shooting it, frankly. That's the bottom line. But I think it's also about the other sounds as well. It's not just, you know, of course, it's, it's critical. You can hear what people are saying, but, you know, it's all the other sound that goes around with it. And this comes back to what I was saying before about you know, thinking about how it's all going to look when it goes, you know, in our little world on the news, or, you know, you might think in terms of documentary. You know, sound is a good sort of punctuator between sequences and between elements of the uh, of, of the story. And, 
you know, there, there are natural, you know, we call it natural sound, and that's exactly what it is the sound that things, machines, animals, whatever sort of makes around um, wherever you are that you're shooting. And that's vitally important to, to, to gather all that. If you ever watch somebody making a radio piece or radio documentary, they'll stand there with their headphones pointing the microphone in the air, apparently recording nothing, but actually, when you listen to that, radio piece um you will actually hear exactly what they were doing and why they were doing it it makes all the difference and that translates to tv as well what about the relationship between the the pictures and the sound and the words that the whoever the reporter is puts down how important it is to get that right uh, i think it's all about what you're actually doing is you're creating a sort of collaborative narrative of whatever it is that you are whatever story you are telling um and whilst the reporter can can record their voice and effectively record the story, what's happening, and then you can link that in with clips of interview or whatever, you also need uh, a way, a means of actually almost half telling the story if you had if you took all the voices out of it. Um, you need to create that narrative in, in images as well. And and those images form sequences and the sequences link together and all and the whole thing combined forms your, your your narrative and I think going back to like I was saying about me wanting to be a sound recordist to start off with I often think if the pictures failed somehow could that person that's listening to the voice track and the atmosphere that you've put down imagine what the story should look like and I think that's really important like what Nick is saying and you you record the atmosphere of a place and you're trying to you're just trying to add all these different elements together to make a, a more gripping package. Um, coming towards the end though, what, what, what are the big no-nos? What, what things should people starting out filming avoid? <laughs> Don't be overambitious, I think is the one I would say. You know, know what your limitations are. Um, it's, it's good to be ambitious and it, by all means experiment. But if you're experimenting something and you're not 130% certain that it's worked, then do something else. And even now, um, I was filming something the other day and it was just a piece of camera. It was a very straightforward thing um, with a slight bit of a twist on it. And then we, we did that and then we just did a safety copy, as we call it, just as a bog standard one, just in case our little experiment didn't work. And do you know what? We used a safety copy. Yeah, it's absolutely the case. Make sure that you do the basics before you then run off and do your fancy tracking and whip pans and anything else you want. Make sure that when you bring that material back into the edit suite, you've got four or five shots that are going to make a sequence before you can... Yeah, don't, don't run before you can walk. And I guess on that, that level as well, it's also when it comes to the equipment. Did you advise buying the best fancy equipment or...? No, I guess... I mean, to be honest... Any camera will do as long as you can practice framing those shots and seeing what works in a, in a sequence. You don't want something that's um, got far too many bells and whistles on it that you'll never ever use. It's a waste of money, frankly. And it's, yeah, I agree. And it's, and it's, not, it's not necessarily the, the hardware you're using. You know, people say that a bad workman will blame his tools. It's a cliche. But, you know, that works the other way as well. You know, if, if you are good at something, if you're good at camera work, then actually you can make a great piece on an iPhone or a bad piece on a very expensive camera. Um, it's actually the person doing it rather than what they're using largely. Uh, Nick Willie and John Boone, thank you very much.